Welcome back to another edition of the Aquarium Drunkard Transmissions Podcast. I'm Jason P. Woodbury, editor at Aquarium Drunkard, and this week we're featuring Jesse Locke's interview with Jack Cooper of Modern Nature. The band's new mini-album, Annual, is the follow-up to their debut, 2019's How to Live. Inspired by the group's time on the road in support of that record, this new one demonstrates the way live performance and improvisation has informed Cooper's continually more expansive approach to modern nature. Drifting and often focused on the subtle saxophone work of Jeff Tobias of Sun Watchers, the album also features percussionists Jim Wallace and Kayla Cohen of Itasca, who's appeared here on the Transmissions podcast as well. My talk with her is available in our archives, like all of our past episodes. And this show is sponsored, like everything we do at Aquarium Drunkard, by our listeners who support us directly via Patreon. Supporters receive access to bonus audio, notes, special mixes, and other projects. Thanks for tuning in. We'll be back next week with Joe Casey of Proto Martyr, who joined me to discuss the band's new album, Ultimate Success, today. But first, here's Jesse Locke and Jack Cooper of Modern Nature. Let's roll the tape. The last time you talked to Aquarium Drunkard in 2017, you had just yeah. moved to Leytonstone to get away from the gentrification of London. Um, has that changed in the past three years? Well, uh, I guess regarding gentrification, I, I don't think there's, I don't think that's ever been a reason for me moving away from anywhere. Mm. I, I suppose as like a white middle class man, I can't really complain too much about gentrification. But mm-hmm. I think I think what maybe what I I suggested was that the area we were just priced out of the area we were we were living in which was like stoke newington which is i think anyone who's like been over to the uk and like or to london and been to shows will be familiar with that area Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. so we kind of got priced out and we moved to yeah leytonstone which is i mean it's it's further out but it's definitely still london it's probably the equivalent of um you know, I have friends who who live in in New York will live in like Flushing or or like kind of Queens, and there's those areas where it almost feels quite, you know, not rural, but like there's a lot more green space and stuff. So it's probably the equivalent of that. But we're fortunate because we live uh, like a street away from the forest that's like on top of London, so that stretches up for about. I think it must be like 10 miles north and it's like this huge expanse of, of forest. So it's, it's sort of the perfect in, intersection between like living in the city because we can be in central London in like 20, 25 minutes on the underground mm-hmm. and then the countryside. And it also feels quite suburban as well, which um, I think most people in the UK have, have grown up in, suburbs of some some kind and i was certainly like that so it feels quite comfortable in a way like yeah i can imagine getting a little bit less noise and a bit more solitude would be nice for the creative mind yeah yeah for sure and um there's just a a little bit more space as well you know it was it was a lot easier to find um you know, a storage space. I, I have like a studio where I store stuff as well. And it was just a lot easier finding somewhere like that around here. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I, we're, we're both, we're really happy around here. And my wife's tied to this area because of her work. But 
I suppose the, the pandemic has made us evaluate why we live in London really and whether it's worth the expense. Once the the you know, you take away the reasons you you live in London, whether it be like shows or like restaurants and stuff like that, once you can't do any of that stuff, you start wondering whether it's that important anyway. But uh I don't know. You probably caught me on a bad day with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean we're all making up our minds about where we're living right now, I think, and yeah. what changes we'll make when we're on the other side of all this stuff. I think, yeah, once you've got used to, I mean, just being, trying to make a, a living out of being a musician, you have to, I suppose you have to um, simplify your life anyway, as far as doing stuff and buying things. So I've, always, I've lived like that for quite a while, but at the moment, you know, when, when you're, uh, when you're not really spending too much money and you're trying to, uh, live as cheaply as possible it, I suppose it's quite infectious and you sort of think well maybe we could do this anywhere right absolutely yeah so there have been some other significant changes in the last three years as well um, now that the dust has settled a bit I'm wondering how do you feel about the end of Ultimate Painting yeah I feel fine about it I mean it's I think it was with any sort of relationship breakup um uh, it was it was very much like that, and you know we'd invested so much time into doing it, and we'd we'd got to, um, you know, a, a decent a decent level as far as like a, a you know a, a touring concern was. So we'd put a lot of work in, and we'd worked through a lot of kind of issues, and I'd kind of overlooked, you know, like a, a, quite a difficult relationship between. Uh, me and James mm -hmm. at the center of it and you kind of just like well um, keep on going sort of thing and and so when it kind of flared up and it, it I suppose it, it just felt uh, it felt scary to just go back to square one uh, or you know square two or whatever <laughs> uh, yeah but yeah I feel okay about it now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I've been lucky enough to hear Ultimate Painting's unreleased fourth album, Up. Um, yeah. Do you ever hope to get that out to people, or will it remain a lost artifact? I don't know. It's not really up to me. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I, I think if if I was, I think if I felt particularly satisfied with it uh, as a as a record, then I, I might have more of an opinion on that. But I think I. I think it felt like the end of the road musically, and to me, it 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 sounds that record when I listened back to it after we finished it, it sounds like, uh, I suppose like a, a a watered down version of of what we were trying to do in the first place. But on this on the same level, I I feel like I can't really be objective about it whether mm. it was a good record or not. Yeah, that's fair enough. <laughs> and I, all the way all the way along you know i i really feel proud about the first record but the second record and the third record i i was sort of increasingly dissatisfied with how they came out but you know i will talk to people like on this recent modern nature tour where like the, the third one 
is my favorite or you know I, I, the second one was my favorite so I, it's like I, I don't really know it's it's not really up to me mm-hmm. yeah I mean I have to say for me the first one is my favorite it's uh I think one of my one of the best albums released this decade honestly it's a, a perfect thing that you guys put out so oh thank you you know congratulations on that um yeah thank you uh, the three times that I saw Ultimate Painting play, I believe you had a different drummer at every show. Um, I'm sure. Yeah. Was that on purpose to kind of keep evolving as a live band, or was it just difficult to keep a consistent touring lineup going <laughs> for all your trips over to North America? I mean, like you were here pretty frequently. Yeah, we were, and I think if you saw three drummers, I, I remember it was, it was James and I going through it one time, and I think there was probably about, between, I can't remember, maybe 12 in total. Wow. Yeah, who who had either tried out or played our show or played on a record or something. Um, <laughs> it's like a so real-life yeah, spinal you, tap You thing. only saw a small fraction of the, the drummers <laughs> and also a painting. But yeah, there were, there were a few reasons, uh, I suppose. The, the first drummer you probably saw like when we first came over to America was Neil. Uh, who I remember we, you, you and him had your photos taken together because you briefly looked alike. <laughs> we both wore glasses, I think, is maybe Yeah, it. I think that was it. Yeah. Uh, and he was, he, was with us, he was with us for the longest, probably the longest time. Mm-hmm. And he'd, he'd played with me in mazes and uh, it was really well suited to drumming in Ultimate Painting because he didn't have much of a like an ego with regarding his drumming mm-hmm. and James and I were quite specific about how we wanted someone to play, which isn't, you know, that being told, well, I guess, I guess in hindsight kind of micromanaged isn't really for, for everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think part of the problem was I'd, I'd played the drums on the first record and um, it was, it was very much, I mean, I played the drums, but it was very much under James's direction. And in many ways, we were always trying to replicate that style. Mm, yeah. Um, you know, at live and then on the, on the, you know, subsequent records. So, and and the, the, I, I don't play drums and I'd never played drums on a record before. And I don't think I ever will again. Um, so, but it was a case of, it, it just seemed to, it seemed to fit the, what we were trying to do and then um it kind of i don't know i don't know what the quality of of my drumming was <laughs> but uh, it seemed like the more skill you had as a drummer with ultimate painting the less you were suited to playing like that um i think maybe maybe you saw bill from trouble in mind play with us as well i'm not sure but he was he was a, he's a really great drummer but he comes from like more of a kind of garage uh like punk background and, mm-hmm. and he was really well suited to it mm-hmm. and then i think at, at the end aaron uh Neveu, who plays woods and played on the first modern nature record he he kind of brought he's such a good drummer that he brought something completely different to it in a way so uh but yeah yeah he's just ultra think, cool like i mean I, the way he wears the turtleneck and just like plays yeah. with such a soft touch i think it was really really perfect for the live band at that time yeah yeah um i think i think you could, one could probably argue that it was ultimate paint was quite a negative environment uh in a few in a few ways but 
I think um, I think as well, just some people don't have the dis disposition to to tour at that level. You know, it's like it's it's not for everyone, and um, we kind of went through a few dramas like that, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, now you've picked up right where you left off. Modern Nature. You're gearing up for your fourth release since 2019. Um, were there things you wanted to do with this band that were kind of like a response or a course correction to, uh, you know, maybe that negative thing you're mentioning with Ultimate Painting? Like, what did you want to do differently with this new band? Yeah, I think I think Ultimate Painting, there was lots of sort of contrasting experiences, like, you know, for me personally, I'm sure the same for, for James and whoever was playing with us. Um, you know, in, in one regard, it was it was very rewarding uh, touring as much as we did. And we generally got on really well and worked together really well. And it's obviously like the group that, you know, I've, although I've done other things, it's what I'm most known for. So it's sort of given me a platform to do other things. Um, I'm very, you know, very proud of that first record and some of the other stuff. But I think in hindsight, my writing or uh, my like mu musicianship or, or what, whatever uh, was sort of stunted for a few years really because I think after the first album um, I mean there are exceptions on the second and third but I feel like I was essentially playing a bit of a role and that was to try and write songs like the song Ultimate Painting and right, it, it right. started to feel like I may as well have been um, you know, like writing jingles for advertising, and there's a there's a place for that type of writing, and I'm not I don't want to like discount it if that's you know how you, you work or, or whoever works, but it it wasn't really doing me any good uh, as far as you know moving forward, and I I uh, I think that kind of spontaneity and excitement was on the first record, um, I'm sure you know, James would probably agree with me as well, but with Modern Nature, I feel like the idea and the sort of tone of the group is very clear in my mind and in the minds of like, you know, Jim Wallace, who's drumming with us and Jeff Tobias. And I, I think, I think there's a, having a framework and having limitations and a purpose can be very liberating. And, um, I think with the difference and sort of what you said about correcting the course is probably Ultimate Painting was about trying to um, replicate the immediacy of like the the first record and the kind of excitement that we felt then. Uh, so it, it was quite backwards looking in a way. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think with Modern Nature, although there is like a goal and a framework to it, the sort of paths to get there are um, kind of endless, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, when I first heard about, like, you playing with members of Sun Watchers and Beak, I was just so excited. I was like, what a what a super band of contemporary oh. groups, you know. And I'm wondering, yeah. how did you first connect with Jeff Tobias and Will Young? And, you know, was it working with them that kind of really cemented the sound of what you're going for? Well, with Will, Will had played bass in Ultimate Painting for a long time, and uh, I'd 
he do, he do, my old band Mazes, he nearly joined Mazes, but we sort of had a uh, we like a, a breakdown in communication with between the two of us, and he thought that I didn't want him to be, and you know I'd kind of gone back on it, and I thought he'd sort of lost interest in it. But he but when we needed a basis for Ultimate Painting, uh, Will was there, you know, pretty much from the start. I think in America we had uh, AJ played with us, but. Will had sort of been there from the start, and we'd always spoken about maybe trying to do something together mm-hmm. um, further along the line. So when when that group broke up, uh, Will, although his his involvement with B could really taken off in that time, I think he just could sense that I um, needed supporting and and needed some help. And I I think I think in lots of ways he was he was just uh, you know, trying to enable me and kind of get me back on track, really. So he was obviously very integral to the, um, you know, how to, the how to live record. But um, you know, on this on this recent one, Will Will isn't on there because he got too busy playing with Beak. Mm-hmm. Obviously, that's all kind of gone to gone to um, shit a little bit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, but we've always sort of left it open. And, um, you know, if, if, if he wants to, you know, we've, we've been speaking like during this period about doing some music together. So I've always wanted, um, modern nature to be quite fluid as far as the lineup. Mm-hmm. Um, but with Jeff, I met him, I'd, I played a guitar on, uh, on Andrew Savage from Parquet Court's, uh, solo album. Yeah. It's a great album too. And um, we'd, uh, Jeff also played on it, but we weren't at the same, you know, we were at the same like session. Uh, the album was like mainly me, Andrew uh, and Jarvis from Woods. And then um, Mike, Michael Stasiak, who was in a band called Easy TV. Right. And yep. he was in Widow's Peak as well. He played drums on quite a few of the songs. Um, uh, Shannon from PC Worship played on a few, and then Aaron played on a few. Uh, but when we when we played the live shows, uh, we did one in New York, and Jeff Jeff played saxophone there. So that was the first time like I I met him, um, and we sort of uh, we had like a really nice conversation. And then when I don't know something about him and. Uh, List, you know, kind of getting really into the Sunwatchers records. Something really kind of clicked in my mind that I, I need, I need to pursue something with this guy. Yeah, you know, yeah. You know what I mean? Um, so that, yeah, that was that. Okay, yeah. I mean, he's such an amazing player, and those Sunwatchers yeah. records are just like some of the most exciting new music I've heard recently. So it's yeah, it's cool to see you guys working together for sure. Um, when I saw Modern Nature play in Toronto a few months ago, I was really impressed with the way you completely silenced the crowd before starting to play, and then you lead into like this long instrumental intro. Um, is that your goal to kind of set a mood with your gigs now? Well, I think ideally we'd be at a level where we were playing concert halls, uh, where you know being quiet is as commonplace. Uh, but I'm probably going to have to get used to clubs. <laughs> at the moment uh yeah but yeah we made some like ambient music that um 
fits with the record or it was like tape loops and and um other loops from the from the record that we kind of made this ambient music that we get the front of house engineer to play before we go on and then Mm -hmm. we start playing along to that and you know ask him to kind of gradually fade it out into into the first song um so yeah ideally it would be really really quiet some of the set is is really very quiet and that's when it feels really exciting mm-hmm. uh, just you know being exposed like that is is quite exhilarating i suppose absolutely yeah yeah i can't quite put my finger on it exactly but there's something about modern nature that just sounds more british than music you've recorded in the past i don't know if it's like this patient pastoral quality that you have like kind of drawing on elements of prog and folk and art rock but it's not really any of those things um does any of that ring true to you like that sort of genre exploration yeah that rings true uh i think i think it probably goes back to um i i think at some point i just became more single-minded in what i wanted to do and that's all tied up with you know, knowing my own mind a bit better. And, you know, I, I am British after all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess that comes through. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think so. <laughs> uh, so I want to talk about your new album, your or your mini album, rather, annual. Um, can you tell me about how you split it into themes of the four seasons and sort of use that as a creative springboard? Yeah, well, I with the, with the How to Live record, I had... Um, there were, I'd sort of planned the whole thing quite meticulously and I had a um, almost like a storyboard for how the, the album was meant to sort of progress, you know, over its course. And a part of that was I'd, I'd got into the habit of um, just writing, like free associative writing, and uh, I would have a theme for each song, and then I would just spend hours thinking and writing, and just writing down words or phrases that I thought uh, fitted with the the tone or the you know the what I was trying to get across with each song. So I'd kind of got into the habit of just writing uh, every day and writing down words and phrases or things I'd seen, uh, like, you know, and I'd done that over the course of a year. And when I'd gone back through it, it was, it was interesting to sort of see a kind of almost like a word collage of the year. And the, you could make out the seasons in the, in the writing, you know, in a weird way. So I had an idea to kind of put that, um, that diary and into into music and to to write something that felt um, kind of cyclical, so it would begin in winter and and then end in winter. So the the idea is that you know you could play the <laughs> play the record indefinitely and it would just feel like a a long loop. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's cool. I like how it kind of like raises an optimism as the as the weather gets warmer, kind of in the middle of the record. Yeah, that's, that's neat too. Yeah, I I was thinking about yeah because a lot I think the um, the record begins to sound more optimistic in the middle, but doesn't necessarily read as optimistic because I think sometimes that 
if you know if you're prone to uh you know <laughs> if you're prone to uh you know mental health issues or anxiety or or depression what have you sometimes the, the summer can be the worst the worst time because i think there's an expectation on you to be to be happy and sociable yeah, uh, yeah. but yeah i i, I really I, I really hope that we were successful in, in in getting that kind of feel across of a of a year passing yeah i would say so for sure um I don't often compare things to Talk Talk's Laughing Stock, just because that album feels so sacred. But I really do hear hints of that in what you're doing on songs like Flourish and Halo. Um, can you talk about a bit about how Talk Talk or Mark Hollis has influenced you? What do you? Um, I mean, what what aspects of it do you um, you know see as being similar? It's just a general vibe. It's really hard to put to words. Almost like. I don't know. Laughing stock is just so singular, but I I feel similarities. I feel like this weird sacred music vibe uh, in what you're doing. Well, yeah, thank you. I mean that that means that means a lot. I mean, I've been a I've been a fan for a while, but something seemed to really uh, resonate with those records in particular. Uh, that you know the last two and the the solo record over the last yes. last couple of years. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not. I'm not sure why. Um, I mean, I'm not sure. I was always when I kind of got into them. I was particularly enamoured with his voice, even. But something, something definitely changed over the last couple of years, and um, they they mean they mean so much to me. Mm-hmm. And you know, I'm not religious, but there's a there's a spiritual spirituality to that music. Uh, it almost feels like he was he was perhaps in on some secret and yeah and the music was a way of it was his way of trying to explain it to people exactly yeah it's like this fugue state or something it's uh yeah it just feels so holy and pure somehow i don't know i'm i'm not particularly good at explaining the reasons why i love certain music um and it's like music like that almost like uh, transcends trying to explain it. It's know? true. Totally. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> you also mentioned uh, in the press materials for this album, you mentioned Miles Davis's In a Silent Way and Pharaoh Sanders uh, in comparison to Jeff's sax playing. Uh, and Pharaoh Sanders has this song called Harvest Time on his album yeah. Pharaoh from 1977, which is like a, a huge favorite album of mine. Um, those albums both seem to be kind of about setting a mood as well and then just like letting it ride you know uh, I'm curious like what kinds of things do you like in jazz again I mean it's it's almost it almost transcends explanation but um, I think it has sort of to do with like space and, and, and form like the most the most interesting music to me is always unpredictable and, and feels uh, somewhat vertical in its form. Uh, mm-hmm. Like rock music at some point, or the majority of rock music, and I don't know whether that's the way things are recorded nowadays, or um, it starts it starts to feel like a very horizontal kind of journey and, and you always knew where it was going to if you know I, I, yeah i'm not sure no i get explain. that i get that yeah like the the parts are going to be kind of 
predictable as they come. Yeah, yeah. And I think it probably comes down to that has something to do why I, I love it so much. It's, it, it, it does feel inexplicable and um, like alchemy or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've come back to In a Silent Way and uh, Get Up With It that Miles Davis album a lot lately. Yeah. Uh, he loved yeah. him madly, you know, just these gorgeous, almost ambient jazz. I know. I've I had a thing recently where I kind of went into a deep dive, uh, trying, uh, just trying to find other stuff, other music like in a silent way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, I've kind of, uh, I think that the, the nearest thing that I've, I've been able to get to it sort of, Tonally is is like those recent Bill Orcutt records. Mm, yeah, yeah. There's just something. There's something there that is very is very similar. Yeah, I would describe what he does as almost like a abstracted Americana or something. It's like taking these elements, but just they're not even songs. They're like tone poems or something. I don't know. Yeah, for sure. Beautiful. Yeah. So uh, yeah, you mentioned the the song "Ultimate Painting." from your first album by Ultimate Painting, Ultimate Painting. Um, <laughs> and I love how the first song on the, the debut Modern Nature EP, you begin it with the words Modern Nature. Um, yeah. That's that's great, you know what I mean? Like, do you have other favorite like eponymous songs that sort of inspired this idea of this thing you've done a few times now? Yeah, well, the, the, the idea was for the song Nature to be called Modern Nature at first, but then another thing kind of took precedent and that was that all the all the titles have you know just one word mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. uh i that kind of took precedent as a as a dumb <laughs> as a dumb thing i was doing yeah uh, but yeah i i don't know uh i mean black sabbath black sabbath yeah for sure minor threat minor threat yeah uh i don't know i think that's oh uh Cool in the gang. Ah, yeah, okay, yeah, for sure. I mean, there must be quite a lot. I, I, I just think it's a, it's an interesting thing to do as like a, like a theme song or like this is our definitive statement, uh, almost. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, I, I'm a theme one. You know, like the yeah the Van der Graaff generator cover or the Cozy Powell cover. Yeah, so great. I like bands having a theme. I think that's really cool. Yeah, that that was almost the thing with that song, Ultimate Painting, was that it was the most ultimate painting-y, ultimate painting song. Yeah, you know I mean? <laughs> yeah, for sure. And so we were we were always trying to kind of uh, like replicate it to an extent. Yeah, <laughs> that's great. I uh, I think more bands should do that. More bands should like yeah. crystallize their sound into one song and then make that the name of the band. I really, I mean, there's. I guess I, what I, what I was thinking of when I named that song was the, uh, the theme from the Banana Splits, uh, which I used to watch when I was a kid. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so uh, we were talking about this a little bit before, but it it is surprising to me how much you've toured North America in the last five years. Uh, but I'm definitely grateful for the chance to see you play so often. Um, when the pandemic lifts, do you hope to? resume touring at that kind of consistent pace if you can well i hope so i mean logistically it's it's so difficult to tour the um you know i kind of 
discounting Canada from this because it's a lot easier, mm-hmm. uh, like bureaucratically, I suppose. But like touring America, you have this huge expense up front, which is, uh, you know, working visas mm-hmm. and, uh, they cost, you know, upwards of like three, four, five thousand pounds. Uh, so I'm not sure what that would translate to, but, um, my, I suppose my concern now is that we, we paid for visas for 2020 and, uh, you know, I, I think we were going to be coming back once or twice over the course of 2020 and we would be able to offset some of that initial expense of visas. Uh, so for 2021, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's, it's a lot of money up front, but I mean, touring America... The shows don't feel much different, but um, touring North America, I mean, you know, mm-hmm. it, it feels, I always felt like it legitimized the, the band a little bit with Ultimate Painting. It was like, you know, if, we, if, we, if we're kind of accepted in America as like the home of, uh, you know, rock and roll and, and mm-hmm. blues and jazz and, you know, uh, popular music, uh, that it kind of it legitimizes you as a band and i always felt really proud that we we toured there as much as we did mm-hmm. and you know I, I i before all this happened i saw no reason why modern nature wouldn't be able to do that and the tour that we just did was if anything it was like it was better than uh, any ultimate pain tour as far as like people you know showing up and stuff so oh that's good to hear. i felt yeah, I felt very optimistic about it when we when we got home, but uh, you know, financially, it's it's going to be kind of difficult coming out of this. But um, you know, what isn't going to be difficult coming out of this? Exactly. Yeah, I guess we'll find out what this brave new world is going to look like when we get yeah. on the other side of it and clubs open again, and whether it's like people in tiny little pods in the club or like half capacity or what whatever it will be, we'll find out. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I mean, the thing about the thing about musicians and you know other artists and people who put on shows, people who run websites and like book festivals and stuff. Most of us aren't doing it to make money, and and we're doing it because it's a it's a it's a love or a compulsion or you know whatever it is. And I think it for for like creative communities it's just another obstacle that we will have to get over to kind of you know communicate between each other really Mm -hmm, for sure we're already adapting i think Uh, i'm personally like kind of bored of live stream performances i have to say but there are festivals now that are like you know giving people money to create video projects and i think that's a really cool new idea yeah yeah the live streams i i I haven't even watched a single one. <laughs> I mean, for 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 a medium that is is uh, you know a uh, an oral <laughs> an oral medium, like I I don't I don't understand why anyone would uh, want to watch or, or listen to music coming through like recorded by a phone speaker by a phone microphone and then coming out of a phone speaker. It seems seems kind of uh, a contradiction, but. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm into like artists doing live Q and As or that kind of thing, but when it's crappy, yeah. crappy sound quality coming through laptop speakers on both ends, and 
I don't know. It's and like the video is glitching. Maybe it's like it doesn't really, really appeal to me that much. I think there's it's it's a, it, there's a there's a split between people still wanting to communicate and people also like having to promote something as well. You yeah, know, if they've yeah. released something in this time, um, you've got to you know promote it, kind of try and get it out there with whatever way you can. Uh, and I think people are still want to consume live music and, and, and that, but I don't know. It's just, it's not, maybe it's just not for me. Yeah. Well, I mean, we'll adapt to that as it, as it continues as well, I think. Um, yeah. Yeah. You mentioned that you were, you and Will had been working on a bit of stuff together. Um, yeah. Are you, do you have like another album on the go right now or a, like what else is coming next for modern nature? No, Will. I think Will and I were just talking about doing something separately. But I've, oh, okay. uh, I mean, the the intention is to try and record uh, another album um, whenever it's safe to do so. Right. Uh, so we usually with everything we've done so far, we've recorded out of a studio in in East London, uh, and I've been in touch with. Um, Ed Deegan, who who owns the studio, about uh, you know booking some dates, but it's just a case of waiting to see when it's it's safe and uh, you know we're allowed to do that. Mm -hmm. uh, especially you know regarding Jeff and uh, him, he's in America, obviously. So um, when when he'll be able to come over and do that is is kind of up in the air. But I've I'm working on words at the moment, but I've got another record uh written and and kind of um you know the the, the framework for it's all it's all there so um that's hopefully we'll get we'll get to do that at some point over the summer great that's super exciting i mean uh you've had such a prolific pace with modern nature already and annual is another beautiful release so i'm really excited thank for you people to yeah, hear it thank you yeah exploded
sweet. 